Today we resume our sermon series, Rest in Peace, a practical plan for peace. As we've been moving through our study, a couple of things have stood out. A couple of things have become evident. The first is the total inability for us to find peace in the world or its systems. In fact, it's kind of a strange thing. In just the weeks that we have been in this study, it seems that we have been confronted with the truth. There is no peace in the world. Our world desperately is seeking and needs peace. And so that's the first thing I've noticed. There's no peace to be found in the world. Now, the second thing I've noticed is not, not quite as obvious, but it is the truth that Jesus gives us his peace. That's what our verse says. Jesus desires that we as his people, as his followers, would have his peace, that we would enjoy his peace. However, we can do things to forfeit his peace. Now, that's a sad thing. I watch believers, I watch folks that have followed Jesus Christ, and we are able to do some things that would keep us from living in and experiencing the peace of our Savior, Jesus Christ. He gives it to us, but we can do things to hinder us from experiencing it. So the big question has become, do you really want peace? Do you? Do you really want peace? And do you want it badly enough to do something about it? Do you want it badly enough? Are you so tired of the other things that you would do something, make the necessary steps in order to experience it? Well, my prayer is that our answer would be yes and yes. Yes, we want it. And yes, we want it badly enough that we would take the practical steps to find it. Again, our anchor verse for the entire series is found in John chapter 14, verse 27. Again, we're going to move on to some other verses. We're going to include some other verses. But our anchor verse is found in John chapter 14, verse 27. Jesus is speaking here. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. Listen as Jesus speaks this morning. Here's what he says. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Listen to that again. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and we're so thankful for you. We're so thankful for the hope that we have today in Jesus. We're, th we're so hope thankful for the salvation that we have secured in the finished work of Jesus today. We're thankful that as your people that we have peace offered to us in the person of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray now as we have gathered, I pray that we would hear your word, that we would, we would take it in, that we would, we would be impacted by it, and that we would leave here with peace. And so I pray, Lord, that this would be a great time of instruction. I pray it would be a supernatural event. I pray, Lord, that it would bear the fruit that you intend for it to bear. And again, I pray the result will be that your name would be known, that your name 
would be lifted up and that you'd be greatly glorified in this event. Lord, I pray for some that do not have peace because they do not know the Prince of Peace. I, I pray, Lord, that in the hearing of the gospel of good news, that in this very hour, that they would turn to you and they would trust you as Savior. Lord, we, we open all this up before you. We ask that you would move, that you would lead, that you would direct, that you would speak. We give it to you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Today in our study, we are looking again at the sixth practical step for living in peace. There have been five previous. We are again looking at the sixth practical step for living in peace, and that is we have to be an agent of peace. To have peace, to experience peace in your life, you have to be an agent of peace. Now, there are two sides to this sixth step. We looked at the first one last week. We'll look at the second one this week. Last week, the first part of this, the first side of this, was that in dealing, is dealing with physical peace. It is to seek and to promote physical peace and harmony between people. Now, that's the first side of this, to be an agent of peace. We are to seek physical peace, physical harmony between people. Last week, we saw and we, we talked about the fact that it does not add up, it is not congruent for a person to claim to know the Prince of Peace and to claim to be filled and living in peace, and yet to be found living outside of peace in conflict with the people around them. And that, that is a crazy thing. Really, that is, that's not a thing that's going to reconcile. That will not work in the life of a believer. We say we follow the Prince of Peace, and yet we're found at conflict with those that are around us. Last week we looked at a verse in Romans chapter 12. The verse is, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all people. And then last week we worked through some practical steps, actually six practical steps for that to happen. If you're going to be at peace with all people, as far as it depends on you, here are some things you must do. First we saw, you must forgive generously. As believers, we do not have the right to unforgiveness. Sometimes we think, well, I, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what, what's happened to me. As a follower of Christ, we do not have the right to unforgiveness. We have been forgiven as much. And the Bible says, as we have been forgiven, so we also are to forgive. As Christians, we do not possess the right to unforgiveness. And so the first thing we have to forgive generously. The second step, we have to seek reconciliation quickly. Now, this is talking about when we are the offender, when we have harmed somebody, when we have sinned against somebody else. When we are convicted of that, when we know the truth of that, we are to seek reconciliation quickly. Third thing we saw last week, the third step, we are to be hard to offend. We talked about the truth. We live in a day when people are easy to offend. It's like they're looking for a reason to be upset. They're looking for a reason to get mad. 
Well, if you're going to be at peace with all people, that's not ever going to work as your attitude. You have to be a person that is hard to offend. Now, listen, it's not in mental toughness. It's not in hard-headedness. You can't offend me. No, it is in graciousness. It is in kindness. It is in looking like Jesus. You know what? I'm not going to take offense to that. I'm going to be gracious and I'm going to be merciful as my Savior, Jesus, is. Third thing, we have to be hard to offend. The fourth thing, to be at peace with all people, as far as it depends on us, we do not seek to pay back. Now, that's a hard one. That's built into our instinct. We seek to pay somebody back. They hurt us. We want to hurt them back. They injure us. We want to escalate it and injure them to a worse degree. Well, as Christians, listen, we are not in the retribution game. That's not our game. The Bible says that we trust it to God. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. He will repay. That's what the Bible says. And so as believers, we're not going to seek to pay back. We're not going to seek to settle the score, but we are going to leave it with God. We are going to trust it to God. Fourth thing, do not seek to pay back. The fifth thing may have been unexpected, but the, the fifth thing is to choose your friends wisely. If you're going to be found at peace with all people, as far as it depends on you, listen, it is important that you are deliberate and you choose your friends wisely. And we talked about this last week. Did you know there are people that like it when you're found in conflict? And they, they like, that. oh, did you hear what they said? Did you hear they did this? And they hung up the phone on them. They actually like it when you're in conflict. There are people and they lure you or maybe they push you into conflict. Well, we looked at a whole bunch of verses last week in Proverbs that told us we ought to avoid those people. Those people are not for us. They're not our friends. And the biblical directive is avoid those people. If you're going to be at peace with all people, there are some people you need to avoid. Choose your friends wisely. And the last step, it was sure offensive, but the last step, to be at peace with all people as far as it depends on you, you have to shut your mouth. You have to shut your mouth. I didn't get any letters this week. I thought I might, but listen, we don't have to get the first word. We're not looking for the last word. We don't need another word. The Bible actually tells us that a fire without wood, what does it do? It burns out. Well, it tells us in the same way, when we shut our mouths, when we remove our tongues from the conflict, guess what happens? The fire dies down, and the fire will die out. We have to shut our mouths. To be at peace with all people as far as it depends on you, be quiet, shut our mouths. Now, those six were the practical steps for physical peace, for harmony between people. Those were the practical steps. And we need to be sure today, listen, the practical steps matter. Now, what that means is what we do matters. 
Do you want to be at peace with all people as far as it depends upon you? Do you want to be at peace with all people? Well, then listen, how you live matters. How you respond matters. These practical steps matter. And so the question then becomes, so do you really want peace to the extent that you might make a change, to the extent that you might adapt? What we do matters. How we live matters. Okay, that's the first side of the issue. To have peace, we must be an agent of peace. Talking about physical peace, well, today here is the flip side. Today here is the other side. We must be agents of physical peace. We must also, and I would say more so, be agents of spiritual peace. If we're going to be at peace with people, we have to be agents of spiritual peace. Because let me tell you this morning, let me tell you what the, what, the, what the thing is, what the deal is. The lack of physical peace, the lack of physical harmony is a sign, it is a symptom of the absence of spiritual peace. Now, I want you to watch how this plays out. I want you to watch how this works. When you find conflict in the world, when you find conflict in homes, when you find conflict between people, it is a sign and it is a symptom of the absence of spiritual peace. And listen to me, the truth of all of this is there will be no peace, not in the world, not in our schools, not in our homes, not in our hearts, until there is peace with Jesus. The answer is Jesus. Well, what are we going to do about this situation? What are we going to do about these things that are brewing up around us? Listen, the answer is a matter of the heart, and it is a heart given to Jesus. And so guess what? We must be agents of spiritual peace. Now I'm going to ask that you would turn in your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to look at three verses. An awesome chapter, an awesome set of verses. We're going to look at three verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18, 19, and 20. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18, 19, and 20. Now, I'm going to read those verses, and then we're going, to, we're going to examine carefully those verses. Listen as I read the verses. Now, all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Verse 20, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Okay, stay with me this morning. Get this. If you are saved, if you are a believer, you have been made right with God through the work of Jesus. And if you are a believer, you now 
have the purpose of leading people to Jesus. Listen to me. You now have the purpose of leading people to Jesus. You now have the purpose of leading people to Jesus. I will tell you, I believe many of the frustrations we face today, many of the issues we are facing today are because we are looking for satisfaction, we are looking for fulfillment, and we are looking for peace in serving purposes other than the purpose that God has given us. And if you look around today, the world seems to be on edge, the world seems to be upset, we seem to be frustrated in our lives, and I believe that frustration comes from the fact that we are seeking to find satisfaction in some other purpose other than the purpose God has given us. A couple of weeks ago, the mother from the country group, the Judds, took her own life. Terrible tragedy. Terrible tragedy. So sad. I was watching an interview, and her daughter said the next day, the day after the day that she took her life, the next day she was going to be placed in the Country Music Hall of Fame, a lifetime of achievement, a huge celebration. All the stars were coming to town. The next day, that was going to happen the next day, and she said even that, this is what the daughter said. Even that wasn't worth holding on for. Be sure there is peace in fulfilling your purpose. And I want to tell you, the, the world's things, they may seem great, they may be fine, but they do not bring peace. All right, let's look at our verses, starting in verse 18. Now all these things, talking about the preceding things, are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. It says, God who reconciled. Now, the word reconciled in the original language, it means to set even. It's an accounting term. It means to balance out. It means to restore Another translation is to bring into agreement. In this sense, it means to change from enmity to friendship. In sin, here's the truth. We are enemies of God. Sometimes we like to think we're neutral. We're not neutral. Apart from Jesus, we are opposed to God. We are enemies of God. And the Bible says, and God reconciled us to himself through Christ, through the work of Jesus. Now, I want you to see this. These are some awesome things. In fact, I got into these verses, and we could go several weeks just in these verses. There's some awesome things in these verses. The first we see is this. The work of salvation belongs to God. Be sure of that. It's not anything we do. It's nothing we have merited. It's nothing we have earned. It is his power. It is his grace. It is his work. And he does it through the person of Jesus. Man, if we're not careful, I'm going to go into a whole different sermon here. 
Listen, that's why Jesus is central to what we do in the church. That's why we uphold Jesus. That's why we embrace Jesus. That's why our hope is in Jesus. That's why all of our sermons better include Jesus. The work of salvation belongs to God. It is his power. It is his grace. It is his work. And he does it in the person of Jesus. We must turn to Jesus. But notice this. In two verses, notice this word. Here's the first time. And God in the person of Jesus has reconciled us unto himself. And he gives us the ministry of reconciliation. The Greek word, the original language for ministry, means the active service, the willing service, voluntary service, the mission to bring about. And so the Bible says God reconciles us and then gives us the service of reconciliation. He gives us the ministry of reconciliation. Now let's keep going. It's going to describe it further in verse 19. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ, the Savior, the Messiah, Jesus, in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Now stay with me. The word here for world is cosmon. It comes from the Greek word cosmos. It means the world. For God so loved the world. It's the same word. It is talking about the entirety of the world. It says not counting their trespasses against them. Now listen to me. This is awesome. I, I was reading this. Sometimes I get excited about the gospel. Hear this. What God was doing through Jesus, what God did through Jesus is to pay for the sins of the world, to set even the sins of the world by reconciling them through his own blood shed at the cross of Calvary. 1 John chapter 2 verse 2 says, and he himself, talking of Jesus, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins. Listen, and not for ours only, but also those of the whole world. That's what Scripture says. Not just ours only, but of those of the whole world. Listen to me. The good news of the gospel is Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Jesus paid it all at the cross of Calvary. That's good news. The debt for sin is paid in Jesus. The price of our redemption, it doesn't have anything to do with us. It is paid in Jesus. It's not done, however. It says, and, there it is again, second time, two verses. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. This is a little bit different. We have the ministry, the service of reconciliation. Now verse 19 says, we have the word of reconciliation. He has committed to us. The word committed translates 
assigned to us. The most literal translation is laid on us. He has laid on us the word of reconciliation. In the original language, word means speech, account, message. We know what it's talking about. It's talking about the gospel. It is the truth of Jesus. It is the message of our hope, the gospel of Jesus. And so the gospel is Jesus paid for the sins of the world at Calvary. Let me clean some things up here. Jesus paid for the sins of the world at Calvary. Does that mean we believe in universalism, that everybody's saved? It's not what it means. Notice this, it's going to play out. Does it mean that all people are going to be saved? He paid for their sins, and so they're going to be saved, all people? It's not what it means. No, it is paid for. Yes, that's why Jesus says to telestai, paid in full, it is finished. But, listen, it is received in faith. It is received in belief. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is paid for in Jesus, but that forgiveness of our sin, our redemption is received, not in a work of man, but in faith. Stay with me. And how will they believe? The Bible says, and faith comes by hearing. And hearing, do you remember the verse? The word of Christ. Well, the Bible just said he has laid on us. He has assigned us the word of reconciliation, the message of Jesus. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. The way he has done that, he has laid on us the gospel of Jesus Christ. Friends, I want you to know that is huge today. He has saved us, he has reconciled us, and he gives us the message of salvation. He gives us the message of reconciliation. That is huge. We can't miss that. We can't overlook that in the church today. We can't become numb to that. He has given us the ministry and the message of reconciliation. So what would you do with that? He's reconciled us to him through the work of Christ. It is received by faith. He has given us the ministry of reconciliation. He has given us the message, the word of reconciliation. Listen, that means it's on us. So what would you do with that? Verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God. We have the word of reconciliation. What are we going to do with it? Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Listen, do you hear the urgency in verse 20? Do you hear how dire verse 20 is? We have the message of reconciliation, and so it is as if God were making an appeal through us. Listen, it's talking to you, believer. It's as though God is making an appeal through you. And so the Bible says here, faced with the direness of that, faced with the seriousness of that, faced with the urgency of that, we beg you, the word translates, we plead with you, be reconciled to God. The message of the believer of Jesus 
is trust Jesus. Trust Jesus. Oh, we plead with the lost world. Your hope is in Jesus, so trust Jesus. Is that what we're doing? Is that our mission? Is that what you're doing? Last week? Last year? Is that what you did? We are reconciled in the grace of God and the power of a risen Savior. But then we are given the ministry and the message of reconciliation. Listen to me today. Hear me today. Have you been saved? Do you love Jesus? Do you love him? Do you want peace? Not just for yourself, but a lost and hurting world. Do you wonder why you exist? Do you sometimes wonder why am I here? What am I doing? Am I just existing? Am I just paying bills? Do you wonder why you're here? Then lead people to Jesus. Simple as that. Then lead people to Jesus. Be an agent of peace. Lead people to Jesus. Let me tell you this, and the world's going to tell you something different. Let me tell you this. The greatest thing you'll ever endeavor to do is to lead somebody to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want to talk about Christ-likeness. You want to be like Christ? The most thing that will make you more like Christ than anything is to try to lead somebody to Jesus Christ. You want to you walk with the heart of Jesus, lead people to him. You want to you fulfill a purpose that's eternal, that doesn't fizzle out with the things of man, lead somebody to Jesus Christ. Be an agent of peace. If you're here and you're hearing this, there's probably two camps that we're in. The first of those, uh, uh, group is those of us that have trusted Jesus. And I want to I appeal to you in these days, these silly, sick, weird days, be an agent of peace. Lead someone to Christ. Somebody you know right now needs to know Jesus Christ. Somebody you know right now, listen, they will perish outside of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. First call is this. If you're here and you've trusted Jesus, listen, Maybe we go home from here and we get on the phone. Maybe we text somebody. Maybe we meet somebody for lunch this week. But we say, you know what, as far as it depends on me, I want to make sure you know my Savior, Jesus, and I'm not going to rest until I know you've trusted Jesus. The Half the call here tonight, today is be an agent. Find somebody. Lead them to Jesus. Second part of the call today is this. If you're hearing this and it's not talking to you, and maybe the symptoms of a lack of physical peace in your life are signs of a lack of a, of, a, of a spiritual peace. I want to tell you the good news for you today is this. Jesus died for you. And I can tell you that I don't have to shrink back. Jesus died for you. He loves you so much he paid the price of your sin on Calvary. And it is done right now. It is finished right now in Jesus. The Bible says if you will turn to him, if you'll trust him as your Savior, if you'll claim him as your Savior, right now he'll save you. And maybe you're in this room and you say, you know what, I have no peace. And maybe I've been around the church for a long time. Maybe this is the first time I've ventured into it. Maybe you're listening by some other means and you say, you know what, I, I know I don't have peace. I've never trusted Jesus like that. I don't know him like that. Listen, trust him today. It's the remedy, the Savior for your sin. 
the perfect Lamb of God who has settled it and paid for it on the cross of Calvary. Trust Him today. He will save you right now. Aren't there some classes to take? No, He'll save you right now. Aren't there some things to fix? No, He'll save you right now. Trust Jesus right now. May we leave here ready to be agents of peace. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. During Father, we come, and we just tell you we're so thankful that you see us, and you saw us, and you saw our helplessness, and you saw that we were stuck in our sin, you saw we were without a remedy in our sin, and your grace is without limit. Your grace is infinite, and your love for us propels you to send your only begotten Son, and he comes he does not sin. He comes. He goes in my place paying for my sin, reconciling me to you through him. Lord, thank you. I praise you for that. I, I, Lord, I come and I worship you for that. Lord, I pray that, that that truth, that profound truth would propel me to be an agent of peace. And I pray, Lord, as we're praying that names are coming to mind, as we leave that, that names are coming to mind, and Lord, that I'll burn in my heart to lead them to Jesus. Let it be for your glory. And then, Lord, I pray for some that do not know you, some that are suffering, that are grinding, that are running against the stream, and they can't find peace, and they can't find hope, not that will last, and they, they need to turn to you. Lord, I pray that you would remove any barriers, Pray that they would hear with open hearts and open ears and open minds. And I pray, Lord, that hearing the good news, they would be saved even right now, even today. Lord, we're thankful. First off, the greatest agent of peace is Jesus. and He left none without remedy, none without excuse. He made a way for all of us. He stands as the prince of peace. We thank you for that. Lord, we come at this time of invitation. We just trust it to you. We pray that you would move, that you would work. And I pray the response would glorify you, bring you much glory. And I trust it to you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close with a time of response, a time of invitation. And I want to tell you, maybe there's a couple things that need to happen in this invitation. Maybe you're here and you'd say, you know what, I, I, I need to be under burden for lost people. You know what, I've got some in my mind. And maybe you'd come and you'd humble yourself and come to an altar and say, you know what, God, help me. Give me words. Give me opportunity. Forgive me where I've passed over them. Maybe you want to come and pray to an altar. God, make this a serious thing in my life, leaving this building. Maybe you're here and you need to trust Christ yourself and, and you've heard the gospel of good news that there is a Savior for you today. And his grace is bigger than your greatest sin. And you can't have gone too far of a distance that he offers salvation to you today. And maybe your response is to receive him today in faith. And so in our time of response, you'll come and we'll, we'll settle that today. We'll make sure you understand. And we'll, we'll pray and we'll ask him, Lord, forgive us. Save us. He'll save you today. Maybe you need to take care of that. Maybe that's what's on your heart. Maybe you're here and you've trusted Christ but never fought in believer's baptism. And maybe what you need to do is to, to plant a flag and say, I want that testimony in my life. I want that witness in my life. The Bible says it's always after the point that we're saved. So you would come and we'll set a date and it'll be a great day of testifying, of celebration of what we believe of Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're looking for a church home. 
And you're wondering, man, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe I'm in middle age. Maybe I'm a young person in school. Maybe I'm retired. And maybe you need to find a church that would say, you know what, our mission is to lead people to Jesus. And we'll encourage each other in it. Maybe God's led you here and you come and together we'll uphold his name for his glory. Maybe you want to come and pray here with me. Maybe you want to come pray at the altar. I'm going to ask that no one would stir about, no one would head for an exit. You pray for those that are making decisions. We're going to be done in just a moment. If God has spoken to you, as we stand to sing, you step out. You come on. I'll meet you here.